Hey everybody, if you're looking for a sponsorship idea, you can head over to dashtxsports.com, go to our sponsor tab, and you can sponsor the show, you can sponsor the website, you can put an ad on any of our stuff. You don't even have to do a monetary thing. You can just send us merchandise, your favorite product. We have a lot of travel next year. I know off the top of our head, we're going to Austin, Lubbock, Waco, College Station, Dallas, Fayetteville, Denver, probably Baton Rouge, all the kinds of different places. We can get you from the Rocky Mountains to the East Coast, any kind of product you want. And with that, go sign up, dashtxsports.com. Here is Heated Agreement. Enjoy. With Spiller on fourth and two. Spiller cuts it back. Has a first down and more. He's got a touchdown and the lead for a Play action here for Mon, moving to his right, looking deep, got a receiver, it's caught, Chapman touchdown! Trying to get to 3-0, they'll run it here on 2nd and 10, Davis cuts back, but he's thrown down and fumbled the ball, and it's picked up by Leal. Buddy Johnson forced the fumble, Leal gives AM its first takeaway of the game. All right, guys, welcome on back in the heated agreement. We have a victory special for y'all this week. The now ranked, what, number nine? Ten. Eleven. Oh, Eleven. Yes, yeah, screw the AP poll. The number, <laughs> the number one Texas Aggies take down the Florida Gators last weekend. Screw the AP poll. We've got a celebratory episode for y'all. We're going to be talking everything and anything Texas A&M over Florida. We might talk a little bit. Texas losing the OU. And then there at the end, we'll go ahead and give you all a preview into the Texas Aggies taking on the Pirates and the Bulldogs all in once. So, uh, String, what, um, what's the number one thing that stood out to you this weekend? I mean, you know, there's Kellen's performance, but to me, the thing that stood out was the offensive line. Like, they just – flat out dominated, you know, and, and I don't want to be a wet blanket or anything like that, but I think at the end of the year, we'll probably see Florida maybe having two or three losses just because that defense is atrocious. But at the same time, they still got SEC caliber players up and down in the box and everything like that. And the offensive line just dominated. Just this is what happens whenever you give Kellen Mond time to throw. You're wondering why the deep ball hasn't been there. Well, he had time to throw the deep ball and the deep ball was there, you know, like that's the main thing that, you know, the main thing that jumped out to me is we controlled the offensive line of scrimmage. And it's been a long time since I've seen our offensive line kick that much ass. Yeah. Even, really cool even in see. the Mike Sherman days, uh, or yeah. not Mike Sherman days, um, Kevin Sumlin days, even when he had those Mike Sherman recruits with all the first rounders, I mean, they were very good, but they were more, you know, kind of pass heavy and just kept the guys off of Johnny. They didn't ever annihilate somebody like yeah, they did on this Saturday. Is, they were – they were blowing guys off the ball. And I think that like, you know, it, there's, you can do so much when you give your guys room to do stuff. Like mm-hmm. you can give you, you can do so much, you know, Kellen can anticipate throws. He can throw deep. You've got, you know, you can do so much with like, you know, I was watching some of the plays and you're watching uh, Isaiah Spiller run behind that left side of that line, run, yep. run, you know, but also you've got, you've got our, big guys out there you got Kenyon Green you've got and then you're throwing Ryan Rennick and you throw in um you know the other tight ends and I mean 
that's unstoppable right there. Yeah. You know, and so I, it, it just makes me so happy because I was, I've been a big Josh Henson fan since his days at Oklahoma State. Like, he was always kind of one of my dream assistant coach hires just because he was a great recruiter. And Oklahoma State always seemed to have great offensive lines. Um, and so when we hired him last year, I was a little bit disappointed by the performance. But I think that's just the nature of offensive line. It just takes a while to gel and takes a while to figure out and to click. Um, that was that was really 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 exciting to see that one drive where we like the one drive where we went to take the lead and we just did it all on the ground, yeah. like that's just that's just drive of the game. ball right there. That's drive bully of the ball game. right there. You know, and that that's the if we're trying to figure out what our identity is on the offense, it's that. You know, that's it right there. You know, so I, I'd say that was the I'd say I'd say that, and then bless his heart, Caleb Chapman's performance like that was just tremendous. Like I hate yeah, the it was rough. I hate that it all went down for him that way, but hell, man, like what a damn way to go out! You catch a ball in the end zone on a long ball, one on one matchup, you come down with the ball. I mean, that's a the fact that he held on to it after he tore his ACL yeah. is amazing. If there is a motivator to get him through rehab for the second time, that's a hell of a uh-huh. motivator. So, yeah. what do you? Oh, sorry. What do you, uh, what stuck out to you? So biggest takeaway. Last week when we were previewing the game, I said I need to see A and M run against a legit SEC opponent, and we did. I mean, mm-hmm. holy shit! String just talked about that drive. We all know what we're talking about. That drive where we threw the ball one time and just bullied them. That was the mm-hmm. game-defining drive. We took the life out of them. We took all the momentum. Game-defining drive. Um, And then you saw what that actually does. All of a sudden, that opens up the deep passing game. They have to respect it. Safety's crash. Now we get deep balls one-on-one. It opens up the entire offense when you can play that kind of game. And Mm -hmm. we saw what happens. And if we can do that every game, we won't lose the rest of the year. Flounder? Man, I'm – hate to keep echoing, but like the offensive line, man, it was, it was impressive. Um, that drive, I mean, my God, the, I, you know, the, the, I just, there were a few things that stuck out at me, like come out right out of the gate. Kellen throws, throws a couple of strikes on that opening drive, but our ability to run the ball, man. I mean, I know that we all see it and I think that it's finally starting to get recognized nationally now, but a Smith, man, and and Isaiah Spiller, like I know that they said it preseason might be the best one-two punch. We know it's the best one-two punch in the SEC. But I mean, until the Big Ten starts up, like I think it's the best one-two punch in the nation. I think that Anaya Smith is like probably the most dangerous playmaker in the SEC. I don't know, it's stretching a little bit, but I mean, I'm I'm pretty hyped still. Jalen Waddle, but yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, oh my God, Waddle, Jesus Christ, I would. Jay- James, what stuck out to you? What's your biggest take home? Uh, how about the, the game plan, especially offensively? We we had a plan of we were going to attack the middle of the field against them and attack them with our linebackers, with slant routes, with the back side of the backfield, and it worked. We threw – Kelamon threw 35 times, and 22 of them were over the middle. Yeah. 22 of his yeah. 35 attempts were over the middle. And to, he, to, he had, to your point too, like that's a, that's a game plan that he can succeed in. Yes, like you're calling this, this, a game plan that beats Florida, but a game plan that's great for your quarterback. Yeah, right. And it was that's and it was that that combined the the scheming towards Mond and scheming towards what was working. And I mean, there were, he was he was nineteen of twenty two when att- throwing a pass over the middle for 
all all three of his touchdowns were on passes over the middle. Mm-hmm. And you know, he hit the deep ball he hit the deep ball well over the middle. Um and then just just uh the receivers specifically Chapman and the guy Chase Lane, the guy we were just Man. harking hey, on all last you gotta week. shit on someone for them to show out, all right? And <laughs> man, he looked good. Chapman looked like a monster after, you know, the first play the you know, first attempt, you know, he broken up, drop, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter. The rest of the game he was a beast. So and yeah. kind of to James's point, that's kind of a a different formula than we when we've used yeah. offensively and everybody's com- been complaining about the deep ball throw the deep ball well the only deep balls i've seen up until this point were down the sideline right yeah all of a sudden we're breaking him across the middle maybe that's where mond likes to throw the deep ball he yeah. was way more accurate over the middle on the deep ball so yeah. maybe that's where we need to go you know and when you can control the run game the way we did those safeties have to respect it to where that deep ball's over the middle is going to be there yeah I think one thing that jumped out to me about this game was the fact that it really made me realize in a kind of a sad way how really well built that original 2020 schedule was for us. Because yeah. I think we, need, we needed a couple of games for our offensive line to gel. Like I think back like that 2012 season you were talking about, we were playing South Carolina State. And I remember the, during the South Carolina State game, I was watching. I'm like, why the hell can't we get any sort of a push? Like, this new offensive line coach sucks. No, it just takes time for an offensive line to gel, you know. And so, like, granted, this offensive line had a gel against two SEC opponents, one of which being Alabama. But, like, the, the offensive line needed time to gel. The coaching staff needed time to figure out what was going to work. The wide receivers needed time to figure out what it – one, we needed to figure out the right rotation. We needed to realize that it is – Chapman, it's going to be Chase Lane, it's going to be maybe Anais in the slot, maybe, you know, we're going to have Wiedemeyer out there the entire time. Uh, it really made me realize that we, like, we needed those tune-up games. Um, because, you know, what's fun about that is even you think about where we were against Vanderbilt to where we were against Alabama to where we were this game. Like, the monumental progression at every single spot on the field offensively yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, that, that that's yeah. a pretty big deal. You know, so that's a um, – it, it made me sad about what, what could have been, but it also made me feel good that, you know, we're seeing progress. We're seeing, yeah. we're seeing a good team play right now. Earlier you said uh, Florida could finish with multiple losses in SEC, and you're definitely right. That That's not the – maybe not quite the Florida team we thought, but I really hope that they lose – either go undefeated the rest of the season or lose one more game – just so that this one hurts and it'll be payback for 2012 when they, we got them yeah. week one because of a hurricane and yeah. weren't quite ready for them and a win that kept us out of winning well, the West. And that's what's curious, too. Uh, did y'all see Jalen Watermark's tweet? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so I guess uh, I guess Florida was coming in there talking some shit. Well, in both um, teams, it was chippy all game long, like especially from, the second from half. From the get, like just right away. Yeah. It, yeah and, they, and, the, the flags didn't come flying right away. But you could tell, like, I mean, there's safeties talking trash to offensive linemen. I mean, there's dudes that are 5'11", 200 pounds, talking shit to a six foot eight, 300-pound lineman. And, it, I mean, it was just back and forth. You could just tell it was chippy. Um, you know, maybe uh, from what I read, I, obviously I don't know a lot of things about the Florida Gators, but they are very uh, – from the top down, the fans all the way up to the players and coaches are very arrogant and – Kind of feel like their shit don't stink is is just what I read and that there was just a little bit of a uh, bush league stuff going on before the game is what I understood that tweet was referencing. Oh. So, but 
Got- yeah, so my biggest takeaway from that game was actually the resiliency of the defense. Buddy Johnson had a terrible yeah. first half. He had a terrible first half, and then he comes in and yeah. makes the play. Maybe maybe the play of the year. We don't know yet, but yep. it was one of the sure. biggest plays so far this year with that fumble. Yeah. No, that's um, a good point. I was yeah. There, you think about the, the you're right. Like the mental toughness that it took to win this game. Like I was, you know, on the floor, like curled up in a ball whenever Anias fumbled, and then we go and we get stops and everything like that. And I mean, we were, they our defense has got some issues. They whipped the shit out of us in a lot of different ways, you know. But credit to the team, they made one more play than the other team did, you know. Mm-hmm. And like you said, buddy, buddy managed to. He managed to make a senior play right there. You know, redeem yourself and get the damn play done, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, what what I was seeing with Art, and, and maybe it's just because we won, but I feel like Florida coming out of that game was, oh, my goodness, defensively, we got our ass whipped. Whereas A&M coming out of it, I feel like we're more of, we got a lot of things we need to shore up. Because a lot of our stuff was not, man, we're getting manhandled. It was, we were just not wrapping up. We – yeah, yeah. especially the first half itself. I mean, we were there to stop them for – I mean, they probably were averaging – if we make the first tackle, probably two, two and a half, three yards of play. Sure. We, I mean, James, do you remember how many tackles we missed oh, on the first Oh, we drive? had five missed tackles on the first drive, and half of them were in the backfield. Right. And I mean, if we, if we cover the flats, we, we win by three scores. But the, the thing is – Winning does a lot of this. This oh, is a lot. Yeah. Of, if Florida wins that game, they're probably you know they're probably where we're at. They're probably like, hey, there's some stuff we need to show up, but we'll be all right. You know, we got this offense, yeah. and we're and we'd be That's the ones sitting there burning wondering. everything do you down. Feel the same way, or do you think it's more about the win? No, it's it's about the win. I mean, this is the pro. This is what college football does, right? College football creates such like polar opposite opinions of teams. You either love your team or that team fucking sucks and we need to burn it down and start over. There's never an in-between in college football. That's why it's the sure. best. You know, in the good – like, I guess the positive side of the defensive performance being not as good as it could have been was that, you know, one, it's a hell of a lot easier to clean shit up after you win. Like, it, like you can go into practice and get yelled at by your coaches but at least have a smile on your face because you're the number 11 team in the country. But on the flip side, the, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but maybe I like consistency and predictability. We're seeing the same stuff. Like, it's not – this isn't brand new stuff that we're seeing, like, that we couldn't do – that we did really, really well against Vanderbilt and Alabama that all of a sudden fell off the map against – you know, against Florida, you know, part of the reason that we knew we were a little, we were a little concerned about Kyle Pitts coming in there is because, well, you know, we putting a linebacker on a guy like that is going to be trouble covering the flats. Like you said, is going to be trouble. Tackling is going to be a cover. We still have no speed off the edge to get to the quarterback. Like all we, we want to maul up the middle with Bobby Brown and that worked. We got a sack out of it, which is great, but we still don't have that burner off the edge. You know, we're still struggling in corner play and stuff like that too. So, you know, there is, there's 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 peace and predictability, I guess, and the fact that it's not as if we've got new issues coming up. Um, it's just the same issues. And to be fair, you know, what better offenses are we going to play other than Alabama and Florida? I mean, I really can't, you know, I would have said, you know, three weeks ago, I would have said Mississippi State, but now I'm just kind of <laughs> saying that Bo Pelini was just a horribly shitty hire. You know, <laughs> the only other offense that I can think of that's really, really going to be challenged. I mean, we got Auburn, we got um, Tennessee, but they're not, they're not spread you out kind of teams. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that 
we've played two of the tougher offenses that we're going to play all year. And we struggled, but we still got space to clean it up. And we got, you know, a Mississippi State team that we should be able to compete with pretty easily, a bye week, and then an Arkansas team that we should be able to compete with pretty easily too. So, I mean, there's space to grow. That's why I think potentially our hardest game left might be Ole Miss just yeah. because of that offense. You know, and that's, that's what's weird. That's what's really strange. Like, for me, offensively, the offense that I'm really not looking forward to playing the most moving forward is Ole Miss. The defense I'm really not looking forward to playing the most, oddly enough, it's Arkansas. Like, Barry Odom has those guys playing right now, man. Like, he is a hell of a D.C. I mean, if 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 Orgeron hires him instead of Pelini, they're undefeated. No <laughs> doubt about that in my mind, you know. So, yeah. it's a um, – be an interesting slate moving forward that's for sure it's it's, it's such the, a weird year the slate moving really forward is. going into the florida game we were projected at six and four because we were we weren't favored against florida tennessee and auburn we were underdogs in those three games hmm. now we're favorites in the rest of our games right now what that's what one win did that's just momentum like is a fickle the, thing man yeah. after the ou game against uh i guess it was k-state um that that kind of changed everything so texas Beat Tech, but I mean, whatever. The, the FPI didn't pick up on the fact that they sucked. Texas went from being favored in seven games to being favored in all of them, just because of OU lost. And then now, I I, I should have looked at it. I didn't even think about it, but I don't. I try not to yeah, care too much about the them. Other day, the only uh, the only game that they're not favored in right now. It's a it, it's a it's a coin toss with uh, Oklahoma State. Right. So, but I mean, that stuff can change so quickly, and. Um, and then it's crazy. Like, was it Peter Burns today put on Twitter? He's like, yep. A&M might have the easiest pass to the path to the playoff at this point. He's not entirely wrong, but, man, is he getting ahead of himself. Yeah. <laughs> I also hate all the people that are like, we don't need to be thinking about that right now. We need to be focusing on Mississippi State. Shut the fuck up. I'm a fan. Me focusing yeah. on the playoff doesn't do a fucking thing. Right. Yep. Like. Hey, we Get need you in there watching yourself. film. We yeah. need you watching yeah. film on Miss State yeah. and game focus planning. On game, on, focus on winning this yeah. week. Shut up. Do yeah, your job, Woody. Like, what a yep, stupid thing to say. Run to Miss State, man. Hey, yeah, um, the players were talking about it. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, no shit. But I don't play. That's hey, you know. But there was a you know there was one thing that I was listening. I was I had the appointments today, and so I was following along on Twitter with the, with the presser that was going on. Um, somebody asked Marvin Leal, they were like, do you feel like your secondary is underperforming or something to that effect? And this answer, like this, this kid is, I'm trying to find this specific tweet here, but this kid is a seven, an 18 year old, 19 year old sophomore. Right. And his response was, let me see, let me find that real quick. Um, so his answer, uh, Marvin Leal and pass rush helping a struggling secondary. He says, I wouldn't say they're struggling and adds that the pass rush needs to get better and quicker off the line. Like, that is a seasoned veteran response right there from a sophomore, true sophomore who is the team leader by far. Like, you, that is team shit right there. You do not throw anybody under the bus, even though it's true. And all you do is say, well, I just need to play better. You know, everybody's doing just fine. I know I can play better. You know, that is, that is some – I really appreciated that because it, it demonstrates that, a, you know – I think that more than your senior, you talk about senior leadership and stuff like that, but these days, who the hell knows who's going to be a senior? You know, to me, right. the most critical, the critical class to have 
game-changing talent and if you want to compete for titles is that junior class mm-hmm. which really makes me think that next year you know this this year's going to be a good year for us because we've got a lot of seniors who are doing really well i don't know that we're going to see a shit ton of drop off next year because those juniors are going to be ready to roll they're going to have yeah. a lot of games game experience underneath them and they're i mean there's some there's some dogs on that team and I, it's really fun to see yeah bad. and with our offensive line situation i mean all those guys could come back if they wanted to not that they will I'm not, not that, banking not that on any will. seniors coming back. Yeah. It's tough I, to bank on that, man. No, I'm not banking on that. But what I'm saying is is you, you're going to either have those guys come back or you're going to have more talented guys come back that we know are on the roster. They're just not ready yet. Like guys like Luke Matthews that were competing at center and they just couldn't beat out a senior, you know? Yeah. Layden sure. Rob, Robinson and stuff like that. Yeah, that offensive line is a giant question mark for next year. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So, um, so my one more like on the struggling secondary. I don't know if I'm crazy, but it felt like Jalen Jones actually played a really good game. Ninjas did play a good game, and I didn't. I didn't notice him, which means he played a good. That game. That means he played like, a good game, the, right? Means he played a good game. He you almost made the interception of his life. So, yeah. like, that was a huge thing for me is seeing Jalen Jones, I don't know. Now, obviously, we could have schematically helped him out and said we're not going to let Jalen Jones get beat because he has struggled the first two weeks, just straight up. But if he's taken that next step now, that's huge. I I don't think he struggled the first two weeks. I think he played well against Vanderbilt. Alabama, he gave up a long touchdown that he slipped and fell on. Um, I think he's been fine, and we had him. We left him one on one with Pitts multiple times in this game when they split nope, him out yeah. wide. And and he did. He's not. He wasn't the one giving up the big plays. The big plays were, you know, same old, same Miles Jones side. And as good as Damani is in the run game, Damani sometimes gets caught coming up, and they get behind him. Yeah. And, and that you know that that's a that's a schematic issue too, because we know that Damani's great in the run game. You know, we know that. I think it's been. I think it's fairly. Fairly okay to say that you know Leon is not great in coverage. You know I think we can I think we can say that too. You know and so I think that that's a schematic issue. You know like if you've got one if you got one in the box safety that's great. You better find a rangy guy to be able to make up for that back end. And Keldrick Carter ain't it. You know Keldrick Carter. I mean put Antonio Johnson out there. Like start let's let's start figuring this stuff out and start you know making moves in the direction that we need to go. And again, this is that million-dollar challenge right there about not having those two or three games at the beginning of the season where you're beating up on a, a shitty Southwest East Western team, whatever the school is going to be, and you're up by 74 points, and you can start throwing guys out there to see how they move, see how they read, you know, read the quarterback and stuff like that. We just haven't had that space. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think we know that with Damani, and I think we're okay with it because of everything else he brings. And also on that one that where he almost had the interception in the end zone that he went up for, I think Florida said if you get behind the corner and it's just Damani and the receiver, throw a jump ball, throw it to the end zone because sure. let's see if he can make a play on the ball. And he did. Yep. Props to him. He, had, he made a good play even though he didn't come down with it. Yeah. Um, yep. But well, I walked out of the stadium um, Saturday and I said, Jalen Jones is going to be a bad bitch. Yeah. And it, yeah. So be in the future. I, I, I don't think there's any question about that anymore. And, and I don't even think it was really a coverage issue. I mean, there weren't any – big long passes it was all five yard passes break two tackles and run down the sideline for 30 yards all game long it's not like we were having a bunch of busted coverages we left the flats wide open for god knows whatever reason and then our linebackers couldn't tackle yep 
but it's not like we saw a bunch of busted coverages the way we did against Alabama. Do y'all think we miss Anthony Hines? I was trying to figure that out. Yeah, in, the middle in of coverage, the I think we do. I think he was our one of our better see, coverage linebackers. See, I think we miss him most coming off the edge as a blitzer. Really? Yeah, see, I was I, I don't know. Y'all know more about football than I do. I always looked at Anthony Hines as kind of a like almost like a, 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 a an outside backer in a three four scheme. You know, mm-hmm. basically blitz the go after the quarterback, go speed. Is that right? I don't know if I'm saying the right yeah, thing, but like you know, an that, edge rusher. That, yeah, like an edge rusher. That's kind of what I always looked at him as. And, I, I mean, there was some times I remember last year against Clemson, he was going upfield and he saw that Trevor Lawrence was about to throw. He flipped on a dime and went back to go make a tackle so the kid can move. Mm-hmm. I, I think mean, we missed I, I think speed. I, we missed his athletic ability on the on yeah. linebacker. Put him in and do whatever, cover or rush or stop the run. Hansford seems like a great thumper against the run game, but I don't know if he's as dynamic. He got, expo- as he got exposed in the – yeah, he got exposed in the in covering guys. And Andre yeah, White doesn't look ready yet. I mean, yeah. he was out there for quite a bit of the game. He just doesn't look ready. He, he doesn't look like he's up to the speed yet. He doesn't look like he's making he's, – he's taking too long to process the play, which is typical for a young linebacker, yeah, right? Yeah. That's fine. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a dude. It means he, he's just not ready. Yeah. Right. All right, so I, I got a question real quick for – Really for all y'all, but specifically Flounder. I know Flounder's watched a lot of NFL football, a lot of in-person football. Have you ever seen anyone truck as many players as Spiller did on Saturday? My God, no. I mean, there was – man, I'm trying to remember. There was one game that Arian Foster had one time a few years back. I mean, obviously a few years back now. But, like, dude, no. Isaiah Spiller is a man out there. And I've never – Listen to his interviews really before. The dude has his head on straighter than like straighter than me for sure. The kid is so well rounded. Like yeah. I'm I'm obviously a huge Isaiah Spiller fan, but that dude's a monster. Yeah, that was really that 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 one play, the fourth down play where he bounced off. I went and looked at that guy who bounced off of his measurement. That dude is six three, two thirty. Oh and he God. just bounced <laughs> off Spiller like it was nothing, you know. Um, you know, I I'll be I'll admit I've been critical of Spiller you know, for the past couple of years because it seems like he has big games in the small games and then small games in the big games, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. you look at whenever we're playing decent teams. Like, I, before the game started, my, my keys to the game was that Kellen had to play a clean game. We had to at least make the turnover margin even. And then the third thing is we had to have a running back rush for 100 yards. I don't know if I mentioned this last week. We only you had – yeah. yeah, so we had to have a running back get 100 yards because that's that's key to, to – to, you know, Fisher's entire scheme. And so once he started pounding, like he had a hell of a game against an SEC front seven, you know, that like, man, like he, he, uh, I've been skeptical of him, but the dude, the dude was a dude this weekend. He, he, he played his ass off. Spiller's also more of like a, a thumper style, right? Yeah. And those guys get better as the game wears on, as those linebackers get tired. Yeah. And he just starts pounding, right? And he's a guy that seeks out contact. And we saw that as the game wore on, he started to take over. And, well, and there was that one. Sorry, go ahead. No, and I was just going to say, I don't know that he's ever really gotten that opportunity against these yeah. big-time opponents because we've had to throw the ball every down yeah. when we're down, right? And so to see him really take over a game late in the game when everybody's tired and him just say, I'm going to run over you was big. 
Yeah. Well, and that there was a, I don't know if there was another tweet earlier today from an NFL scout. And unfortunately it was on the play that and I had fumbled, but he posted, you know, kind of an all 22 view of Spiller stepping up and the, to, to, to pick up a blitzer. Smoke that and dude. Like that was Travion Williams ass, man. He, he knocked that dude back. And like that dude was, and again, you give Kellen time. Not only do you give him time, but you make Kellen believe that he has time to where he doesn't get happy feet and throw up his back foot. Dude can make all the throws. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's all about all of these things working together. You know, a quarterback is never successful just because a quarterback is good. A quarterback is going to be successful if everybody around him plays well. Yeah. 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 yeah that's the so shit that gets you drafted. So, to yeah. Woody's point coming into Saturday, uh, the Spillers' three games that he had 20 plus carries in 22 for 90, 20 for 217, and 24 for 129. God. And now 27 for 174 or whatever it was. And, I, I got a question for y'all. Do, uh, do you think if I uh, Anias doesn't fumble that ball, does it go to overtime? There was about nine, l- lower nine, upper eight minutes left when we get the ball. I want to say he fumbled around the seven-minute mark on our own 35 maybe. So I was thinking, man, this is like an awkward timing. We're going to go down. We're going to score and yeah. give them too much time. So I don't, I don't know. Perhaps. I mean, you can play it that way, or you can say, no, though, you're just going to fumble again, right? Yeah, I mean, that would be my thing. Yeah. There's a a million ways that game can go. Also, you know, and it's. Go ahead. No, no, no. You guys. No, I was going to say, it's it's a. um, Anias is good enough to make up for it, but this is two big fumbles in, in two games. Yes. That's, you know, in the same, like, and I had the same critique as Spiller last year. He had a couple of, you know, the fumble coming out of the gate in that Auburn game last year when I don't, I mean, Auburn was kicking our ass anyway, and who knows if we, that would have made a difference. He had one this game too. You -hmm. know? And so like, it's two, it's two fumbles in two games. And I, it's just, I mean, I think that like, I think, again, I think Anais is good enough and he's going to be fine and all that other stuff, but it definitely is one of those things where it's like, man, but come on, buddy, like, we need you to clean that up a little bit. Like, against against Alabama, I'm like, well, shit, you caught, like, six balls for 150 yards and had however many yards on the ground. You're a lot of fumble. It's perfectly fine. Exactly. But when it's two weekends and or two weeks in a row, you're like, come on, man. We need, pattern. we need you to do what you can do best, which is help the team. I think with that is you're seeing – kind of what happens with a skilled position player who's catching up to the speed of the game because I don't think he's used to being able – like, so if he's running full speed and making his jukes and stuff, I don't think he's used to people getting a good clean lick on him, being able to get a good clean lick on him. I can see that's a fair point, yeah, because that, that is a, a not a sizable transition, but, I mean, it definitely is a transition from being, you know, split out wide. The, the hits aren't the same, so right. I, mean, I, I can see that. But, I mean, the one against Alabama – um, he had a fumble and a drop against Alabama, right? Yeah. yeah. He had the fourth down drop and a fumble. Right. So the, the fumble against Alabama, he's coming across the field, and you it looks like he's about to hit the gap, and then all of a sudden they close on him because they have that elite speed and everything. And it just – I was as soon as it happened, I saw that guy flying in. I was like, ugh. I, I always get nervous about fumbles and stuff like that. But oh, the, That fumble was actually against um, Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Didn't, Vanderbilt. He, didn't, he didn't fumble against – but, yeah, he just had the bad drop against Bama, right? I mean, that wouldn't even happen. 
I, I don't even want to put I hang that one on him too much because yeah, we, I mean, again, when you're our offense, you're a lot of mess up. Like when you exactly. put that much effort in, like it's fine. But we're also, you know, I, I'm confident he, I'm confident that he's going to clean it up. It's just one of those yeah. things to kind of watch on. We're also putting the ball in his hands a oh. lot, right? Yeah. So it's yeah, like a lot of different ways too. He's going to have a lot more opportunities to fumble when he's getting the ball so many ways, so many times, right? You know, obviously, you know, been, no fumbles acceptable. We're yeah. putting the ball in your hands, so don't fumble it. But yeah. it's different than you know, if, like, Cam Brown had two fumbles, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, like, who moves to that Chapman spot? Man. Yeah. What's I, that guy from Georgia? I hope it's him. Kenyon Jackson. Is that his name? Yeah. What? I don't know. Pull the, that the out of your ass. What? Kenyon is, Jackson. I hadn't heard of him since we recruited him. Yeah, he's only a sophomore, bro. I know, but like, like and that, Dylan but that's, Wright. But that's well, the I'm, I'm hoping though, it's like, him. I'm hoping it's him because I think that frame and everything fits kind of in his. I think Dalen Wright's not going to be quite as quick as Chapman. Well, yeah, and that that's the big question right now. Like, do like we have film on Preston? We got some film on Cam Brown. We had film on Chapman. We had film on Chase Lane. Who else do we have film on right now? You know, we don't, we don't have much. Like, and so I don't know if, like, you pick the next guy who played that Chapman spot and put him in that role, given the fact that he hasn't seen any playing time, or do you move a guy like Cam Brown that's caught five, seven balls that maybe Kellen's got some timing with over to that position? And I don't know how we teach our wide receivers, whether we teach them a position or what, what that looks like. I, I don't the, – the thought process, the, the, the decision-making process of what we're going to do at that spot, because now we've identified, especially if that's the guy who's going to be going up and over the middle, we really want to take the top off the defense. It's really going to be interesting to see who, who, we've at, who we have out there. You know, do we try somebody new or do we go with somebody who we know can catch the ball, but we just don't know whether they can catch the ball in that particular spot? Right. I mean, obviously I want Demas, but <laughs> – Man, we could, uh, dude. I, I want to see him out there. Like, how many snaps did he did he get? I don't know. Did, did y'all see his Instagram video? Yeah, yeah his Instagram. I, 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 I do. You know, coming in as a five star, you would think that he'd be a little upset. They, man, I love the team chemistry that they have going on. From the guys that are playing every down to the guys that are sitting the bench, I, agree. I, I just love how much fun they're having and putting like showing it out and putting it on Instagram. And then, I mean, I haven't done it yet, but I have about 15 to 20 screenshots of asshole Longhorns when all those guys were opting out saying Jimbo's lost control. Like, and, and the thing that <laughs> cracked me up about all of that is it was – no Aggie was freaking out. It was just Longhorns yeah. trying to push a narrative. That's all they're, try, they're trying to push a narrative that Jimbo's lost control of the program. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, we're beating their Florida's ass and they can't even beat OU who is – man, that was an ugly football game. Let's uh, just say what it was. The well, funny part is, in four months, Herman will literally have lost control of the program when they fire him. That's the funny part. <laughs> I saw where that. I saw where you going with that. It's just, it's just stunning to see like where they've gone from. I'm, I'm in, like, I remember right after they beat Georgia, I'm like, oh shit, like maybe they got something going here. Like, may, you know, they got a sophomore quarterback who seems to be pretty damn good. They got a scheme that they just bullied the sec east champion like that's you know this is pretty impressive mm-hmm. i i have no i mean there the parallels were there whenever between sumlin and herman whenever they were hired you hire a mm-hmm. hotshot coach from coach from houston he yeah. comes in inherits a quarterback like th- there's there's a lot of parallels there 
Mm-hmm. But man, I, I did not think the <laughs> fall would be quite this hard for them. And I am all for it. I'm all the way yeah. here, dude. <laughs> all the way. But yeah, I'm I'm right there with you because like I met Tom Herman when he first came to Houston just through like Chamber of Commerce events and stuff. Like it sounded the way that he talked about the program was like it was I mean the way that he because he did do a lot for U of H but the way that he left to to Texas I was like okay we might be in a little bit of trouble as far as recruiting goes now because I know like he's got connections with these coaches now but man I I was so wrong like I I I was legit nervous for a minute and I was it was unwarranted apparently have you have you checked in on their recruiting class lately I mean, yeah, they got the quarterback, obviously, but I mean, come on, man. Oh uh, well, no, not uh, the one that they have coming up. Yeah, yeah, no, um, not not too much. After. Which was it, Sanders or Bowman that op that decommitted? Bowman, Bowman, decommitted. Bowman. Sanders Bowman. is going to be next. Sanders is is on their way. So and when you know, Bowman decommitted, crazy. they dropped from ninety over or average recruit something to like eighty eight. Right. Yeah. When when, you, when you Sanders should. decommits, they're going to drop below eighty seven. And what's crazy is is that like. It's crazy to me that had Texas not hired Herman, LSU would have. Yeah. Oh man. That, and that's that's wild to think. It's wild to think about what those parallel histories look like. Because obviously that sets on a whole different, you know, Joe Brady, Joe Burrow, the whole 2019 ass kicking of a season, all that other stuff. Like it, um, it's just, I, I mean, it was, and, and you know, and, and I was telling a Longhorn buddy about this, like Tom Herman's going to end up going to Tulsa or something like that. And he's going to be 12 and one because he needs to be the underdog throughout. And that's part of the reason I don't count him out for the rest of the year, because, you know, you make him an underdog and he comes out fighting like crazy. Yeah. So it'll be, be very interesting to see what happens. You know, Herman seemed like a home run hire at the time because exactly. he could, he, he looked like he could coach because he was turning Houston into a damn near contender. Yeah. And he got a, he got a five star to go to Houston, yeah. the first five star ever to not to go to a power five. So oh, it seemed uh, like a home run hire for Texas. It seemed like a no brainer. I think, but he could, you know, well, you know, you, you like to me, you judge the especially those guys who were making their making a leap to a different kind of school. I think you judge them based on their coordinator hires. And he had Todd Orlando, who at the time was a pretty decent coach, and I don't remember who his offensive coordinator was, but I remember not being impressed by them. And but and then on the flip side, you look Wasn't at a guy. It, like Sam, it might have been Apple. I don't know who. I don't know who it was at Texas. Or maybe I don't think he followed him to Texas. Did he? I think anyway, he took you, the job. Oh no, Applewhite stayed in Houston. At, yeah, he took yeah, Applewhite stayed in Houston. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> but you look at like so that's who we had. Whenever you go to UT, you got all the money in the world, and that's who you hire as your coordinators, as opposed to like you look at Sam Pittman. He's got Little Bryles and he's got Barry Odom. You look at Lane Kiffin right now. He's got Jeff Levy from the Baylor tree and he's got DJ Durkin, you know, both of whom are shit bags, like terrible people in general. Lane Kiffin doesn't give a they, fuck. They can coach some ball, man. They can yeah. coach like you. So, so, you know, I think the writing was kind of on the wall for Tom about who he hired right off the bat, you know? Yeah. Shit, them being shit bags might be why he hired yeah. them. <laughs> Get them for cheap. So let's go ahead and close out on Florida. Get, give me your uh, your your favorite moment of the game, your final thought, just real quick, and then we'll we'll hop on into the pirate real quick before we shut her down. So um, string, you're on my top. You want to get it to you want to give it from Flounder so he can. Oh yeah, Flounder, you got dip. Yeah, Flounder, give us your final thought on Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, one 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 quick thought on Miss State for you. So final thought on Florida, they are not as good as. Okay, I don't want to say they're not as good as we thought they were because they're probably about. 
They are who we thought they were. <laughs> I'll say they were a little bit overrated, but it's always good to get a, a win against the top five team at home, especially the first one of the Jimbo era, to my knowledge. Um, thoughts on Mississippi State? I don't know what to expect, man. I think, like, uh, you know, Mike Leach is an absolute wild card. We, like, I, you know, KJ Costello, if he comes in and has a good game, then we might be in a little bit of trouble, but I really don't see us losing that game at all. All righty. With that, Flounder, you have fun with your group. Love we'll you catch guys. you next week. All right. String, what's uh, what's your final thought on the Florida game before we move on? Man, we just needed it. You know, like, <laughs> from, a, from a program standpoint, Dan Mullen came in the same year that Jimbo was hired. Recruiting has been about the same. Really losing that game would have been – there would have been – I would have raised some significant questions about development – and trajectory of the program. You know, I think that it's fair to raise it. You're competing against a program that's essentially your mirror other than the fact that they had Kyle Trask on campus beforehand. And so we needed that game. And I think that it's a, it, it was a, it's a big deal for us to take down a top five team at home. And it finally gives us, people can start believing a little bit in our program. Um, and, you know, from a cultural lens, even moving forward to Mississippi State, like, it always felt it's felt like in the past that our big wins have been flash in the pans and that we always want to let down after that. But it almost feels like that one drive, that straight up bully drive, it almost seems like, you know, Winston Churchill used to have a thing, used to have a quote that says, I like a man who grins when he fights. Like, it's almost like, you know, we, it sure seemed like we enjoyed beating the piss out of them, you know, and if we got, 11 guys on that field who are enjoying beating the, who really want to beat the piss out of the person across from them. You can do a lot with that, man. You, you can, you can do a lot with that against any sort of a defense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my thought is that's what offense is supposed to look like. That's what football is supposed to look like. And why can't every game be that fun? That was just yeah. a crazy entertaining football game on both sides. And, I mean, I've been waiting to look, see an offense that looked like that, you know, pounding the ball, running successfully, hit the deep ball, convert on third down was the biggest thing. We finally yep. were able to stay on the field. I was scared shitless when we had that first third and long on the first possession about to go three and out um, after giving up a long touchdown drive that included two third down conversions and a fourth down mm-hmm. conversion. Third and 14 conversion. Yep. And I, I was just thinking, man, if we don't convert this, this could get go. away. Yeah, and all right, that, one, that was huge. I'm getting, all right, I'm getting Blaine in here, so hold so, on. So, uh, oh, okay, safety. Well, go ahead and get your thought in on the all Florida right. game. So, first thought is this is what we hired Jimbo to do, right? Mm-hmm. We we couldn't win these games with someone. This is what we went out and got Jimbo to do, and kind of like what uh, String was saying, like we never could get over the hump. We needed this win. This is what we brought him in to do, and. Damn it, we won the game. I you you mentioned uh, favorite part of the game. Um, so you know, right before the I got a quick little story. Right before the uh, the field goal to win, right? I'm probably twelve beers deep at this point. Um, not in the greatest state of mind, freaking out. And my fiance had a FaceTime scheduled with her parents and her sisters for their, for her sister's bridesmaid proposal thing. And I'm 
inches away from the TV, praying to the TV on my knees. And her, she turns the fucking phone around and shows me praying to the TV, drunk, as the field goal is getting kicked. That was a bad look for uh, old Woody. But, you know, <laughs> you win some, you lose some. But an auspicious um, beginning to your marriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They got a nice little look at well, what it's going to look like for the next 50 years. So. His his fiance already knows how it's going to be. That was just her parents getting <laughs> that a little was just yeah. parents how it's going to be. <laughs> um, my fiance actually at one point went and started cleaning out the guest room because she, quote, didn't want to hear the screaming anymore. <laughs> but, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so... Mississippi State, um, man, they look like dog shit. That's they they look really yeah. bad. I mean, Flounder Which is mentioned why I'm Case, nervous. Flounder mentioned KJ Costello. I don't even know if KJ Costello is going to start this game. I don't know if Mike Leach knows if he's going to start this game. Um, boys, boys, boys! <laughs> it's pretty hard to throw three pick sixes in three games. <laughs> Um, hey, Matt Schaub has something to say to you about that. Yeah, yeah. no shit. Uh, so does Kyle Allen. QBU, though. Um, QBU. So, I I don't think we have a problem with Miss State. Yeah. I, it's it's Miss State. Yeah. They look really yeah. bad. A, a, Mike Leach team, a Mike Leach team that can't score points is a bad Mike Leach team. Yes. Well, yeah. and, and that's, what, that's what we're talking about there, too. Like, that's that cultural piece. Like, in any other year, I'd be nervous about whether, you know, playing a Mike Leach team – that's been crappy all year long. And part of me is like, you know, if, if, if Florida was a turning point, then we should be able to go line up and just beat the shit out of them. We shouldn't we'll, have to worry about all that stuff. You know? We'll know how the rest of the season is going to turn out about the second quarter on Saturday. If, if we're struggling with these boys, then we know that it was not necessarily a turning point. It was just a good a game that we got everything together and happened to come out on. But I mean, struggling with bad teams happens. Sometimes you struggle with a team as bad as Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky score. He got outplayed that game. But if I, one thing, I'll say this. All right, you're going on the road, correct? The two yes. Mississippi State and the yes. SEC. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be a cakewalk. Y'all coming off a huge game, huge win. All right, I still think y'all are going to win because I think y'all are better than Mississippi State. But I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk at all. And we should have lost to Arkansas for sure. No doubt. No doubt. So. My my thing is is that Kentucky put up a, less than two hundred yards of offense and won twenty four to two. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about the air raid. That's the thing about the air raid. Once you really see the personnels, yeah, based on that, it's uh, hard to trick people. Welcome to the SEC. Yeah. Well, and the other part too, and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to sign off here in a second. Like, right. That's right yeah. now, all of us are intimidated by Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Why? Because, because Bo Pelini was a bad hire. Yeah. Like that's the only reason that we're intimidated by it. Bo Pelini like, was a bad hire a long time Bo ago. Was a, Bo Pelini was a bad hire. Like, it's been three games. You have three full games of film, and there's only one that was just ass-kicking. We're like, holy shit, like, this is – no. And then every other game besides that, Bo Pelini has continued to be a bad hire, losing mm-hmm. to Missouri with, like, a new quarterback and missing four or five wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And Mississippi State has been dog shit awful. And so it's kind of, you know, again, I, I agree. It's weird things happen when you play Mike Leach. But the other thing, the last thing I'll leave you with, the, the thing that gives me, like, some level of confidence about playing a Mike Leach team is that I grew – like, my first memory of Mike Leach was 1999 Oklahoma State I – mean, excuse me, 1999 Oklahoma, whenever it was, you know, Bobby Stoops' first year. We had beaten them, like, 38 to nothing the year before Kyle Field. 
we play them, you know, in Oklahoma. And the game wasn't televised. It was on the damn radio. And Mike <laughs> Leach comes out, and he runs this weird-ass tackles wide formation. It was like a version of Emory and Henry where he has the left tackles in front, three down linemen, two wide receivers behind him. Whips our ass 51 to 6. Like, I was scared of that some bitch for so long. But then, Mike Sherman, of all people, of all people, 2008, our worst team under Mike Sherman, probably one of the worst teams that we've had in recent memory, comes in and we are beating Tech at the half. And we are a one score game with them going into the fourth quarter. The next year, Mike Leach is still there and we whip their ass by two touchdowns in Lubbock. If, if Mike Sherman can figure out Mike Leach, the magic's gone, man. Like, I, I'm not really, like, it's basically <laughs> like, you know, the, the turn back into a pumpkin right there. Like, at that point, I'm just not worried about <laughs> yeah. the dude. Like, we're going to be fine against it. It'll be, it'll be stressful and all that stuff, and I'm sure there'll be a couple fluky Mike Leachy plays, but we're going to be okay. Well, then, you got to bounce, strength. y'all. I appreciate it. Hey, String, thank you so much hey, for hopping on. Hey. We'll see you yep. next week. Giga Mags, beat Sounds the hell good. out of Mississippi State. Beat the hell out of Mississippi State. Yeah. 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 Ye